This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Boker Tov Shavuotov, how are you? Boker Tov Shavuotov, yes, I'm still trying to fathom out the events that took place in Dagestan last night. Mm. Um, I know we've got our own issues here um, on the border. Um, but I have to tell you that what happened yesterday at the airport in Dagestan, and I'm guessing you guys have seen some of the footage and you've also had a chance to digest some of it. But it was a very, very unnerving situation where a group of thugs waited for a plane to arrive from Israel without knowing who was on board or anything about the passengers and then somehow managed to get onto the tarmac and actually wait for passengers to come off the plane in order to attack them because they flew from Israel. And and for me, this is just taking things to a new level in terms of the hatred that we're seeing. I mean, obviously triggered by the war situation here mm. and somewhat given justification, I think, by mm. the war situation here because everybody's feeling like they have a right to stand up and make a point um, because of what's happening here in Gaza. Uh, and in Lebanon and in Israel and around the region in general. But then the, the most bizarre statement of all was made, which is that there were negotiations being made with the thugs who'd come onto the tarmac to try and attack the passengers on that plane. Negotiations were being made with them to prove to them that none of the passengers on the plane were Israelis or were Jews, and in so doing, to kind of get them to back down from this attack that they wanted to make. That, for me, was kind of the worst situation of all. Why would you negotiate with people like that and try to prove to them that there were no Jews or Israelis on the plane? That seems to me to be kind of the, the worst possible step. In the, in the event, I don't know whether there were Jews or Israelis on the plane. We know that there were no Israelis injured, apparently, in, the, in the, this whole incident. But... Um, it kind of just takes things to a whole new level, both in terms of Russia and in terms of what's happening outside of Israel in response to the war that we're having here. It does indeed. What are the main events for the last from the last few days in Israel, Anthony? So since I last spoke to you guys on Thursday morning, the main event that we've seen is this ground incursion into Gaza. Now, it took place, it began really late on Friday into Friday night and was um, labeled as not the ground invasion, but simply a ground invasion. And what has transpired since then, th there was clearly a change in the war that took place on Friday evening when those troops went into Gaza on the ground, not for the first time during the course of this war, but seemingly for a more permanent 
visit into Gaza because what we understood from the previous ground visits into Gaza up until then is that uh, troops had gone in and out. They had sort of made incursions and withdrawn fairly immediately once the immediate uh, objectives of that incursion were met. They withdrew immediately. Now what we see is what the military and the government has described as a gradual increase. So I think that what the military are trying to uh, avoid is a major kind of groundbreaking moment when you can, can say, now, this mm, is mm, the ground invasion. It's happening. They're trying right. to avoid, yeah, they're trying to avoid that moment. And in previous Gaza operations, I remember seeing video footage of uh, soldiers going into Gaza one after the other, video footage of them going through the fence with somebody standing next to the fence holding a Sefer Torah, holding a scroll mm. of the law, and each each soldier as they advance into Gaza, touching the Torah and moving on to battle in a very, very dramatic situation, very moving, but, but nonetheless, very dramatic situation. And I think there's been an attempt to try to reduce the drama just a little bit and just to say, we're just moving on to another stage, just, just another gradual incursion, another gradual increase, another slight development in the work that we're doing, a slight difference, not a big, major, groundbreaking moment. But there is clearly a different phase in, in the war right now. We've seen the communications networks in Gaza come down. We've seen soldiers go into Gaza and stay in Gaza, establish some sort of a, a, some sort of a situation, apparently building some sort of a barrier wall and soldiers and trying to find out what's happening within the tunnel network within Gaza. So clearly a new and quite um, more uh, uh, intensive stage that's going on in Gaza right now. And we, we're not getting a great deal of report backs as to exactly what's going on. We have had reports that a number of soldiers have been injured, even one or two of them seriously injured. So we do know that there's a lot of intensity. Um, there was a report that I read which was labeled more, uh, more intensive or as intensive there as the Yom Kippur war. So people are kind of likening to what's going on in Gaza right now, to the intensity that happened during the Yom Kippur war in terms of what's happening on the, on the ground in Gaza, but clearly a new phase in the war. And um, as I said, because communications networks have been taken down and because there's been much, much more intensive attacks carried out in Gaza, we're not getting a great deal of information to say exactly what's happening, and I think that that's purposefully being done. And let's also not forget the northern border, which still hasn't calmed down. Lots of speculation as to whether the attempts to attack Israel on the northern border are related somehow to try to uh, take the eye off Gaza. There was the report this morning in the early hours of the morning, about 3 o'clock, of booms being heard over Haifa and the um, areas around Haifa without any sirens having been sounded. Um, and the IDF did report back saying that um, the air defense systems did actually, uh, they were in, in use during the night um, around that area, but there was no need to activate sirens because there wasn't immediate threat to civilians for reasons which I'm not exactly sure if the air defense systems were activated. So, um, yes, we've gone into a new phase of the war. Is it the ground invasion or is it just simply a ground invasion? I suppose we'll only really be able to tell afterwards. But right now, 
the idea is not to try to kind of create a huge moment where we're saying, okay, now we've gone into mm. something mm. much bigger and, and, and different than before, um, but it's just a gradual escalation, a little bit more intense, a little bit more serious, um, but certainly um, there is a, a difference to what we saw from last week. The United Nations, of course, passed a resolution condemning Israel and uh, telling Israel um, that, uh, you know, demanding that Israel stops the Gaza conflict immediately. It is silent on the atrocities of Hamas. It's silent on hostages and it's silent on ongoing rockets being fired. Will this have mm. any impact on how Israel, on Israel's behavior? Well, let's just talk a little bit about this United Nations resolution, which was passed on Friday, sponsored by Jordan mm. and supported by a huge majority of countries. A hundred and twenty countries voted in favor of this resolution with only 14 countries against and 45 abstentions. And that's just a horrifying statistic to think about, because when we think about what the consequences of this resolution are, then I would suggest the following. Because the resolution calls for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza and calls for humanitarian pauses, which I think is okay, the humanitarian aspect I don't have a problem with. But when you call for a, a ceasefire in Gaza, what you're effectively saying to Israel is, in spite of the fact that you have had this massacre and this attack against you, you have, and you have not yet managed to destroy the infrastructure that was used in order to launch this attack, in spite of all of that, now you have to stop. So now you have to effectively give up on your right to, 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 to respond to the massive attack that you suffer. That's essentially what the United Nations is trying to do to try to tie Israel's hands in responding to that massacre and to destroy the infrastructure that was used to attack Israel. And you know, many people say that Israel is the only country in the world that isn't allowed to win a war. And certainly one feels it when you see this resolution coming from the United Nations. But when you also add to this resolution the statement that was made by the Secretary General of the United Nations, Guterres, uh, Antonio Guterres, who made that um, statement when he did criticize the Hamas uh, massacre, but then went on to make this bizarre, use this bizarre line where he said, nothing happens in a vacuum. And when he said that, he kind of drowned out everything else that he had said before, because by saying so openly, nothing happens in a vacuum, he almost sounded like he was trying to justify why the attack that Hamas carried out might have had a reason and might have had a justification to it. And so he then went on to make that patronizing second statement, which, which quoted him criticizing Hamas and castigating the attack. But what I would say to Mr. Guterres is that, Mr. Guterres, when you say that nothing happens in a vacuum, you are right. We all know that nothing happens in a vacuum. But we also understand that the organization that you lead and the United Nations and the statement that you made does not happen in a vacuum either. And we have to understand that there is context to everything. Um, so does this make a difference to what Israel is doing right now? 
I don't think that in the near term Israel will respond. I mean, obviously Israel responded by saying um, that this was an attack on Israel's freedom and was very, very um, vocal about coming out against the United Nations resolution. Fortunately, it's a General Assembly resolution which is non-binding and so therefore doesn't force Israel to do anything under the current circumstances. But it does show that there is a body of there, there is a, a wave building in the international community opposing Israel's response to the Gaza massacre. And we're only three weeks, only three weeks after that massacre. It's astonishing that 120 countries can actually come out and say what they've said by that vote of the United Nations. Really, it is. Absolutely astounding. Really, really astounding. Any updates? In fact, what I wanted to ask you as well was the this issue with Netanyahu, of course, the unity government, but then he tweeted blame and then he deleted the uh, the tweet. Uh, my comment a little bit earlier to listeners is that, well, I think Israel needs a prime minister who doesn't need to de- delete its, his tweets. How was that? What mm. was the story there? So he, he, first of all, there was a, a joint statement that was made on television by Prime Minister uh, Netanyahu, uh, Gantz and Gallant came out making a statement and talking about um, this new phase of the war and trying to kind of reduce the impact, you know, by, by saying it's just the next stage. It's not the big I- I- invasion, but it is a next stage. Um, and then after all of that, he went on to put this tweet out, which effectively laid blame um, on the security forces for the massacre that took place. Now, um, he's clearly trying to prepare the ground for the day after the war, when all these difficult questions are going to be asked and people are going to be held accountable for all the events that took place during the course of the massacre. This was clearly an attempt to begin laying the groundwork. Unfortunately, it backfired on him from because Benny Gantz immediately came out saying that during a time of war, we need unity and we need leadership, and this is not it. And he called upon the Prime Minister publicly to withdraw and to apologise, which the Prime Minister did do. Interestingly, and so the fact that he actually was willing to withdraw, delete the tweet and apologize has um, uh, says volumes about how inappropriate it was that he put it out in the first place. But what I can tell you from within the security apparatus is that people are furious, are absolutely furious about what the prime minister did and that there is little love lost at the moment between the security apparatus and the prime minister's office and his operation. He's really done a lot of damage to the the overall relationship that exists between himself and the security forces. And in the end, this is going to cost him dearly. Right now, um, especially in the Shabak, um, the head of the Shabak has told his operators to put their heads down and to focus on the job to hand rather than to be worried about the prime minister's statements. But I can tell you that it has really affected the morale within the security operators and there will be massive output. There will be a massive um, uh, uh, consequence for that particular tweet, even though it has been deleted and apologized for. But unfortunately, that particular matter is not put to bed yet. Not at all. And I think there's going to be a lot of discussion further down the line. Uh, no doubt about that. Anthony Rock, thank you as always. It is 8.01. That Israel report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands.
Hi, it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Tzahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all. Oh,